tattletaling or reporting to you because you're trying to micromanage everybody's life. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But as a pastor, you do need to know what people have been taught so you know how to help that person if there's a problem. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. On today's episode, we're talking about the nuts and bolts of generational discipleship. And welcome to this episode of General Order 4. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to finish the uh, topic that we had discussed earlier about the nuts and bolts of discipleship. And so on today's episode, we have moved to the third and final section of that, which is the nuts and bolts of generational discipleship. And so uh, I'm joined as usual by Pastor Brian Stewart. Hello. And we are looking forward to diving into uh, what we have for today. So the nuts and bolts of generational discipleship, what we're talking about here, um, is this idea that you have started, you've discipled, you've brought somebody who's a babe in Christ, you've advanced them through into uh, what we might call young adulthood in Christ, okay? And they have, they are ready to start discipling somebody else. They are the second generation, okay? And um, I believe, if I'm not wrong, Pastor Stewart, you are currently working on a third generation now am I, am I right yes sir so that that model of you've passed what you know onto somebody else who's passing what they know onto somebody else and so now we're on the third generation of that now I'm we're speaking largely to pastors today but I hope it's a benefit to everybody um, but the nuts and bolts here of of how do you manage a generational discipleship when everybody's being discipled one-on-one how are you keeping track of where everybody's at and what they're doing and how it's going and all of that kind of thing as leadership within the church and so um, pastors Stuart, if you will, just kind of remind us how we've talked about modeling who's discipling who, how's that taking place, how do you find somebody to disciple? We've had whole episodes on that, but just real briefly kind of bring us back up to date so we can continue the conversation. Sure. Uh, first of all, the the biblical model is that uh, somebody you lead to the Lord, uh, according to Matthew twenty eight twenty, it's your responsibility to then teach them everything that Christ has taught you. And so those things that Christ has taught you is just discipling them to Christ-likeness. And so ideally, we're going to disciple people that we've had the privilege of introducing to Christ and led to Mm -hmm. him. Uh, Although we know everything in church in America and and around the world is not ideal. And so we've (laughs) got to learn to deal with the uh, not ideal as well. And so... There are times that we will need to disciple somebody that somebody else led to the Lord, uh, and they've not been discipled, and we've had situations where people have gone 20, 30 years without any discipleship. Uh, They've been saved. Uh, They would continue to attend church, and they would read their Bible, but they had no real fundamental uh, foundation that was laid in their life. And so when we have somebody that's been saved for a while or that is not the person you led to the Lord as pastor, those are the people that I'm going to assign to somebody. And what I'm looking for in that situation is I want to assign them to somebody who is, let's say, more mature, uh, has some understanding. I know that when 
that person who may have been taught along the way some false doctrine or some just incorrect interpretations of things, uh, this person is mature enough to be able to handle the Word of God well enough to be able to answer those questions uh, and be able to field them on the fly many times. A mm-hmm. lot of this is, comes up in the discipleship lessons and uh, when we're meeting one-on-one, and uh, you've got to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, and so that takes maturity uh, by reason of use. And so I'm looking to uh, give that person that we're adopting, quote-unquote, uh, to somebody who is going to be capable and uh, able to handle the Word of God. doesn't mean they always have an answer, but more likely than not, they're going to be able to have that answer for that person. And uh, if they don't, I can trust them to come to their discipler or bring that question back to me or another uh, mature believer in the church to be able to help answer those things. And so ideally, we're, we're discipling people that we led to the Lord, and it's our responsibility, according to Matthew 28, that we're to then teach them what God's taught us. But mm-hmm. there's some non-ideal situations out there, and when we deal with those as a pastor, I'm going to give more oversight to that, and I want to make sure that those are going smoothly. And so I, I'm going to maybe even stay a little closer knit to that person because I want to make sure that's going well. Okay. So we have spoken to how you're going to identify where somebody is spiritually. Um quite extensively, I believe, on this podcast. So we're going to kind of touch that just a little bit again um, to kind of bring us up to where we want to be. So we've got somebody who's either been adopted in or somebody who has been led to Christ by a member of the church or by you personally, and you have begun to teach that person. You're advancing as far as they are advancing in, in the material, bringing them along um, as far as you can to Christ likeness, as far as they're willing to go. And you've got that person... Um, where you believe they're ready to begin discipling somebody else. Kind of speak to where that person is spiritually so that we can talk about, you know, how are they, how do you identify essentially that they're ready now to begin working on somebody else? Um, Obviously, if they witness to somebody, we're not going to hold them back from, but they can only go as far as they've been taught. So identify for me, if you will, just kind of speak to this person is now, um, ready or how do you determine that somebody is ready to begin uh, discipling somebody else? If we look at this and we take a picture of people traveling down a, let's just say a straight and narrow path to borrow some terms from scripture, that uh, this, the goal of discipleship is to, for me to follow Christ down this straight and narrow path. And my goal is to also bring as many people with me as I can by introducing them to Christ and then showing them Christ's likeness in my life so that they can follow Christ as I do. Uh, and so discipleship is me going, going down this path. Now, obviously, there are men and women who are further down the path than I am, but there are also hopefully if I've been on the path for very long, people that are behind me that haven't been on the path as long and haven't experienced as much in following Christ as I have. And so when we look at discipleship that way from the organizational oversight view, uh, I want to, the things that that we need to make sure happens are 
that the person doing the discipling, one, again, if they lead that person to the Lord, God saw fit that this person's ready to disciple. So, uh, you know, who am I to stand in the way of that? And as long as they stay further down the path than the person they're discipling, mm-hmm. they're experienced in that to that level, and they can help that person get to the same point in the path that they are. Uh, it's when somebody's been on the path and they've been on and off the path because they just haven't had the path clearly uh, explained to them that when we adopt that person, we want to make sure this person is not just barely ahead of them. Mm-hmm. We want to give them somebody that is well down the path. And that's where that maturity comes in. This person has much more maturity than the person that's being discipled. Because we're going to be dealing with some uh, you know, false teaching that might be out there or some uh, false interpretations of Scripture. And so we're going to have to help correct those and, and, and make sure that they, those things are in order. So if you look at it like a, a path and that straight and narrow path, uh, those that have been bouncing on and off the path need somebody of maturity to help them to get them on that path and, and, just, and stay on that path. Mm-hmm. Whereas a brand new Christian knows nothing of the path. And so if you led that person to the Lord, as long as you're advancing down that path and, and you stay in front of them, you can keep saying, hey, catch up with me. Come on, let me show you what I've been taught. Let me show you what God's taught me. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how I view it when I'm having to make those decisions. Uh, we're looking for spiritual maturity. This person, again, spiritual maturity is this person is learning the Scripture, whether it's somebody in Sunday school or the, the pastor or a disciple are teaching them these truths, and they are putting them into process, or into uh, use in their life. In other words, as Jesus said, it's the difference between the foolish man and the wise man in the way he builds his house. Mm-hmm. The wise man hears the words of God and does them. The foolish man just hears the words of God, but he doesn't do anything with them. Right. And so is this is this person that's going to be doing the discipling, are they wise, according to Jesus' definition, or are they a foolish person? And obviously, if they're foolish, uh, they may have heard a lot of things over the years, but they have never put them into practice. They're not using those things to make decisions. Um, so that, I think, is the way... Uh, I know that's the way I I look at it, and those are the principles that I employ when I'm trying to make those kind of decisions. Okay, so we've covered you know how someone begins discipling someone else, how that t- transpires, how uh, what we're looking at in their life to determine whether or not they're spiritually ready to do that, um, and then essentially that responsibility of discipling everybody is not sitting on the pastor's shoulders. However, as the pastor, you are given oversight of the church. Um, and that means that the individuals in the church um, are given over to your responsibility as the pastor. So you have the um, the responsibility for overseeing everybody. And the question is, how do you do that? Um, because it, it's an enormous responsibility. So my mind goes to the example of uh, a military structure. We've kind of got that theme on this podcast anyways. But you've got a general at the top who's giving out an order, and he doesn't go to the foot soldier and give him the 
instruction and then go to the next foot soldier and give him the instruction and then go to the next foot soldier and give him the instruction or the general would literally do nothing but give everybody instructions. The way it works is the general gives instruction to somebody else and to his leadership team and then those people disseminate that information down. Um, And the structure that we're talking about here in pastoral oversight looks somewhat similar. You as the pastor, you disciple those those few men. Um, Jesus, he discipled really 11 men, um, 12 total, but 11 that stuck around and then Paul. So we have a total of 12 that he really invested himself in. He didn't spend the time investing himself personally in every single person that he met. Now he has the opportunity to do that through the Holy Spirit, which we don't have. Um, But he invested himself as an example to us in specific men. And then those men invested themselves into men and those men invested themselves into men and women. And so we are as, as a pastoral oversight here, looking at the nuts and bolts of how that actually operates, we can talk about it in theory. Uh, but when it comes down to actually how you're going to do that, it might be a totally different thing. And it could actually be an overwhelming thing trying to keep track of Everybody, especially the larger, the more people get saved, the larger the church gets, the more people who are all being discipled. Where, how far are they? How far along are they? Who's teaching who? And all that kind of stuff can be almost impossible to track. So keep, uh, give us some kind of nuts and bolts information on how, um, as the pastor, you're managing the oversight of people who are discipling now in the second and the third generation. Well, you're, you're right on the fact that if I'm continuing to disciple people and continuing to do my ministry responsibilities of preparation for services and messages, the the, the oversight can be daunting. Uh, there are probably a multitude of different methods that you could use to to manage, and I'm sure over the years there's been many that have, have been brought up. The idea is, though, that we need to know what is going on to a certain degree. I don't need to know necessarily every little minor detail, but I need to know where people are. I need to know, uh, as the pastor, I need to know who's discipling who. Because that's going to come in for a lot of different reasons. For instance, if I have a, a couple in the church and I'm not sure who's discipling them, uh, I want, if I don't know who's discipling, then I don't know whether or not they're being discipled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where the, I, I have less understanding of where they're going to be spiritually. And then that couple wants to come in and, and schedule a meeting with me uh, to meet with me. And they don't generally tell you when they say they want to meet exactly what they're going to want to meet about. Mm-hmm. So now I'm almost totally in the dark other than my own observations and depending on the size of the church this could be a couple you only see once a month on Sunday mornings or best four or five times a month on Sunday mornings or it could be a couple that you're seeing more often but how do you know what is going on how do you give oversight to their spiritual growth and maturity because that's ultimately why that when they meet with you that's what they're meeting for is you to give them spiritual oversight and so Mm -hmm. it may be resulting to a a situation with their children it could be resulting to a situation in their marriage could be with their parents and their relationship with their parents uh, or just uh, some other relationship within the church and if the the less you know about where they are in their walk with the lord the more in the dark you are the less you're going to be able to speak directly to and point them to scripture that's going to help them 
mm-hmm. in that situation. So this oversight of, of, of knowing when and where a person is meeting, what are they discussing, and, and to what level have they been taught? Here at uh, Calvary, we have an intentional plan. And so it's a, it can take anywhere from probably two to four years if somebody was going to go through all of the material that we have uh, to, to show them in Scripture of these truths. And so I, I, it's nice for me as the pastor to be able to know where these people are. Mm-hmm. You could use a paper system and have re- and people report what's going on. They could fill out a, a little form and put it in a box. Uh, there are probably much more efficient means today. We use a database that is cloud-based, and it has the capability for uh, the person who's doing the discipling to fill out a short little form of you know five or six questions, and then it has a place for them to put notes. And that form when it's filled out and submitted, it goes into a database that only I can access uh, mm-hmm. as the pastor. But this whole database is not a church management tool, but it's a pastoral oversight tool. Mm-hmm. And it, it enables me to be able to go on any of my devices to this database and see where somebody is. Now, I don't check on everybody every week. In fact, there may be times that I don't even reference that person's discipleship for a month or so. But if they're going to come in or if something arises, I can go back and see how regularly they're meeting with their discipler, what what they've been taught. So what lesson have they been through? So because I've been teaching this stuff, I, I know if you've done through lesson six, well, I know that you know these certain things have been taught to that person, and so mm-hmm. I can put them in remembrance of those things. And even though I wasn't there at that discipleship session, I can remind them, hey, you were taught these things, and we're all working off of the same page. And so this database, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot out there, if you're interested in the one that uh, Simeon and I have uh, developed, and worked on, uh, it's very specific towards discipleship, whereas many others are more towards other models of ministry, where it's a Sunday school-based model or others. But mm-hmm. uh, this one is is designed, and we'd be glad to talk to you off-air about that. And so if you want to reach out to us or email or uh, other means, then uh, feel free to do that. But, yeah. uh, but there's this oversight that is able to be done and it's, uh, it's streamlined and it's simplified for me to be able to manage and, and know where somebody is. So right now, if I have a church member that I'm wondering to what level have they been discipled, uh, I can go there. And uh, as long as the person is filling out that form regularly, I have the information. And they can put in their notes and says, you know, we did half the lesson. Uh, we'll finish it next time. Or they could put on there a special prayer request that they want me as their pastor to know. Uh, they can, you know, there's a lot of things that can be communicated there. But this oversight gives me the ability to understand and know where people are, mm-hmm. uh, so that I can minister to them more effectively and with less uh, cumbersome conversation, uncovering things that don't need to be covered or. If I know it needs to be covered, but I know they're on lesson seven and they're going to get it in lesson eight, uh, 
I can I can just say, you know what? Make sure you meet with your discipler this week and and continue with them, and and the Lord will teach you these things. Right. I think uh, as far as the tools go, there's there's a dozen of them out there. You know, I'm not going to advocate for any particular one. Um, the one that the one that we have developed, we have kind of custom made because the way we do things is quite a bit different than what most CRM tools are going to have available to you. Um, but from a nuts and bolts side of things, uh, the, the point is you need to have some way of managing the information. Um, because I don't have a brain like a steel trap, if it's not written down somewhere or stored in some place where I can easily access it, I am not going to remember. You know, the larger the church gets, the more people get saved, the more people um, you have the opportunity to have oversight over, uh, the less likely it's going to be that you remember who's discipling who, how far along they are, all that kind of stuff. And you're not always going to even remember to check in with their discipler and say, hey, how's this person doing? Um, But if you have some kind of tool available to you, then you'll have the opportunity to do that. So walk me through quickly kind of uh, what it looks like from the disciples end, what it looks like, what they're doing. So they've gone, they've discipled somebody. What are they doing to essentially report back into your system? And again, they're not tattletaling or reporting to you because you're trying to micromanage everybody's life. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But as a pastor, you do need to know what people have been taught. So you know how to help that person if there's a problem. Um, so, and that also means that you're keeping tabs on the people who are discipling other people. Um, you know, in the example that you just gave where you said somebody's got a problem and they've come to you, my thought was immediately, um, all right, I'll talk to you. I'll schedule a time. And then before that time comes, I'm going to be talking to their discipler and seeing, do they know anything about it? Because if they sure. don't, if they probably need to talk to their discipler about it, not necessarily the pastor, not that you're not available to them. Um, sure. but that's the person that they should have the better relationship with at this point. So why not talk to your discipler about it? But I would at least call their discipler and be like, Hey, do you know anything about this? This person wants to meet with me. Um, do you have any idea what it might be about or, uh, what they're dealing with that, that kind of thing. But if you don't know who their disciple is, you're not gonna be able to do that. So tell me, um, on a practical level, how that process works. You've got somebody who just discipled somebody else. What are they doing to report back to you? Well, they're, uh, for us, they're going to fill out this form. It's a web-based, uh, cloud-based form, and uh, it's going to ask for the time and date. Is this of, a paper? Uh, is this a pho- form this on is their a, phone, or what is it? It'll be on their phone or their iPad or computer. They can go. It'll be a link uh, to a database, and this form is like most forms online. It's got this, you know, you can really only enter certain information. And so we're going to ask for the time uh, that they met the date of the of the uh, meeting, the discipleship session. We're going to ask for what lesson was covered, and we've got all of those downloaded on this thing. So they just pull a drop down and they scroll down to whatever lesson they taught. Uh, there's going to be uh, a drop down for uh, who is doing the discipling. So they'll drop down, pull their name up. Then there's a drop-down box that will uh, have the disciple, who's being discipled. And then there's a a box for notes, uh, and that's just a text box where they can put in notes of anything that that comes up. They may put in there that, you know, need to be praying for them. They're struggling in their relationship with their spouse, um, uh, struggling in their relationship with their teenage child. uh, Be praying for that. So... 
like you said in that scenario earlier, the first thing I'm going to do is go to that database and look and see what has been, how regularly have they been attending discipleship. Now that mm -hmm. could be work, it could be sickness, it could be other things, but if it's irregular, there's the first little red sign that something may be out of whack. If they've been mm -hmm. faithful in attending and meeting with their discipler, then that's a good indicator. It doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory, but um, I'm going to look and see in the notes. Are there anything that would indicate that maybe this is the problem? If anything's unclear, I still may contact the discipler. Uh, I may not, uh, but you know that that's a decision that I'll make at that point. Um, and you know, I think there's certainly uh, some advantage to being able to have that conversation with them. But the other thing is that a lot of times we need, uh, and I hate to use the terminology, but good cop, bad cop kind of mentality towards things. Whereas, mm. uh, you know, maybe the discipler has had the privilege of, of teaching them a hard truth that they're not wanting to deal with. And so uh, as the pastor, I may, may have to play good cop here because the discipler had to play bad cop and give them the, the hard truth. I can be compassionate, but I, I'm not going to sell my the discipler down the road either. Mm -hmm. and by the end of the conversation, we're going to be coming to the conclusion that, you know what, what brother or sister so-and-so told you is true, isn't it? It's right there in God's Word, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know what, you're going to have to deal with that, and you're going to have to do that. So I'm coming from the over-compassionate. There's other times that the that's the discipler's role, is that mm -hmm. super-compassionate. And then I have to be the bad cop, and that means I have to be the one that says, you know what, you're not doing right, are you? Uh, this this is in violation of what God says and what God's word says, and so you 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 just be ready to do those. And, and uh, I don't necessarily have a conversation, but I with my disciples to to let them know that. But as the pastor, as the overseer, I just know sometimes I'm going to play one role, sometimes I'm going to play the other. And, and meeting and, and trying to help bring this person to maturity in Christ. Yeah. I would say, I would put this caution in there. Um, because of the relationship that a discipler and a disciple might have, um, the discipler is not their therapist, but they may trust him like one. Um, sure. So I would put this caveat in there that the person doing the discipling um, needs to know that if they're told something in confidence, um, they probably shouldn't put it in the notes. So sure. that's the kind of thing, you know, if if they may not want the pastor to know something that they're going to divulge to the discipler um, and you don't need to know. So if there is something in the notes that you think, I don't know that I need to know this, you may be careful about bringing up something if they told it to their discipler in confidence that they're having trouble with such and such sure. sin or um, the having marital problems, those can be private things that people don't really want everybody to know about. So that would be one of those things that you just have that conversation with the people who are doing, who are doing the discipling and just being like, Hey, look, you know, this note section is to kind of give me an update, uh, prayer requests, anything, but if they want something to be private or is, is a more sensitive thing, maybe leave that out of the note section, because if there's, if it's going to become a serious problem, the pastor's probably going to find out about it anyway. Um, but that you don't want to be, you don't want to have a meeting in your office and bring up something they told them in private. <laughs> so, yep. oh, absolutely. you know, the, be careful with that. I encourage, uh, when I give this form to them, I encourage them to be vague in the, uh, 
if there's if there's a problem and if and only if that person's comfortable with me knowing about it and so I kind of give instruction to them I didn't cover that yet but um, that's a good point uh, I I don't want I don't want dirt I'm not looking for you know I don't I don't want to know bad things about people if I don't have to because mm-hmm. I'm human and uh, you know some things I can forget and some things I can't and I don't want to take a chance of me every time seeing that person that's what I end up thinking about mm-hmm. so uh, that's a really good point and and I don't encourage uh, putting a lot of that personal stuff in there uh, but you know if it's a general prayer request if it's a general need uh, certainly um, you know I tell them be very vague be very even though only I am going to see it because uh, uh, I'm the only one and um, that, that really has access to this oversight database it's mm-hmm. for me to give oversight to the church uh, right. to the people that God's given me and it's so it's a tool for me and the only way the everybody that's reporting to this database is doing it by the form and so I can get attendance that way I can get prayer requests that way um, I can get financial updates yeah. In other words, it's a one-way information stream. It's not putting anything back or giving them any information. They can't see. Once they hit send, they can't see that. They can't modify it. They can't go in and change anything. So they're not seeing. All they see is what that form on their phone or wherever they're reporting it with. And they only see the information that they're entering in. And once it's sent, they have no more control over it. I'm the only one that can deal with it. So it's a clo- it's a closed system in that sense. Right. So in a in a practical level the point that we're trying to make here is that as the pastor you have the responsibility of of oversight and once you if you are doing what we're talking about in a one-on-one discipleship kind of setting especially in the early discipleship um period the only way really for the pastor to kind of keep tabs on where somebody is and the the process of being the discipler is a growth process as well and the pastor needs to kind of know how that's going and how this person's doing and so the the oversight of that is essentially because you're responsible for everybody that's in your church and how they're growing and how you're managing those people having tools like this available to you just to make that job easier um, is a good thing so uh, but on a practical level what we're looking at here is really just the pastor being in the know as to what people are being taught when they're being taught it and how they're being taught it and um, and that gives you the ability to have a greater uh, ability to eliminate flags uh, to eliminate uh, false teaching or anything in the early stages and cut it before it becomes something that you don't want to have to deal with later. So that's correct. And so the the big you know the big picture, we just need to understand and know what's going on. And so we need a tool, whether you know whether you use paper, if you want to use hieroglyphics or however you want to do it, <laughs> uh, you know you there's just a system and a and a uh, tools that you need to put in place. But again, the larger the church gets, the, the more you disciple, uh, you're going to get to the point where you're not going to remember, you know, when did you disciple? What have you taught? You need to record what you're doing. You need to have, have people recording what they're doing because uh, once it gets past you and, and those handful of people that you get to disciple at a time, uh, there, there are times I can't remember some of all of the guys that I've discipled over the years. I'd have to sit down and really rack my mind because, 
you know, if I started discipling a guy and we only went through lesson seven, uh, that may not have been all that memorable to me as a discipler, although I hope it was memorable to them and, and it was a big help to them, but they may have dropped out and they only went through book seven. Well, you know, I can't remember 10 years later what book we ended on with that person. Mm-hmm. But if I have a record of that and I keep track of that and everybody else that's in the church that's doing the discipling is willing to do that as well. Now we have the ability to, you know, let's say their discipler dies, you know, we're, we're not all guaranteed tomorrow. So, you know, where do you pick up? Well, you know, we can look at those notes, we can look at what's happened, and, and then we can adopt that person out to another discipler so they can continue their growth and maturity as well. So there's just a lot of different things, but really it's, it boils down to have a tool, have a way of communicating, and, uh, you know, some pastors may have the time in the week to sit down with every discipler every couple of weeks and, and get a report, you know, however you want to do it, but you need to know and understand where the person is and those people that are being discipled under your uh, responsibility and leadership. All right. So uh, I hope that was a help to you. If you have any questions or you need any additional thoughts or you want to ask about the system that we're using, whatever, you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, you can do that by email or on social media. We'll give you that information in the sting. But again, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. And if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us and uh, leave us a like, share, um, uh, all that good stuff. The best thing to do is word of mouth. If you have anybody that you think might have interest in the podcast, we'd appreciate that very much. So again, Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of General Order 4. On next week's episode, we will have a special guest to talk about the cost of discipleship. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us by email at generalorder4 at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R. Or on Twitter at General Order the number 4. Please like, share, comment, and subscribe.